take your Bibles out and open them to Luke chapter 8. And I'm going to read, just for context, beginning in verse 37. This is where we ended last week. And I'm going to read some and then pause for prayer and then preach a bunch. So verse 37 starts this way. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes. Whoa. Asked him to depart from them. That's not the way you want Bible study to go, just so you know. It's not the way you want it to end. For they were seized with great fear. Maybe the worst sentence in the Bible. And he got into the boat and returned. He just left them. Because God is a gentleman. He will pursue you and woo you. He will do great stunts for you. He will die for you. But he will not force you to love him. He won't. He will bleed out and pray for your forgiveness and send his Holy Spirit to minister. But when you say no, he, 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 he will one day not strive with the spirit of man. Genesis chapter 6 tells us that. These guys said, you just you go away. You're freaking us out, man. Remember, he had just performed a miracle. This guy who was unsalvageable. Humanity had nothing for him. Doctors, psychiatrists, chains, jails. None of that worked. He didn't need rehabilitation. Remember this demoniac guy? He needed regeneration. He was born again. And when they came back to look at this guy, maybe they were a little scared of the demoniac guy. Maybe they had had some run-ins with him before. And when they showed up to the seashore there, there was this demoniac guy clothed. Okay, he went to Old Navy, got a brand new set of clothing. And he was sitting, okay, probably hadn't sat in years. That guy's just a maniac. And in his right mind, he had his journal out. He's taking notes from Jesus. Now tell me once again about the dinosaurs. I'd like to go over that again. You know, getting the deep facts about history and creation. And these guys show up and they see this guy. But remember what else they saw? They saw not pigs in a blanket, but they saw pigs that were panicking. Remember that? Not pigs in a pancake, pigs in a panic. They saw pigs panicking, you know, going over. And remember? That made a lot more sense earlier when I thought that through. And. They saw 2,000 pigs floating in the sea, and they just say, uh, what do we want? Do we want our monetary gain and our peace and our way of life? Or do we want to see people's lives changed? Such a good question. And society's like that. They, 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 they appreciate the things that Christianity has to offer, the American Red Cross and humanitarian efforts. I appreciate that. Like you, but keep your doctrine to yourself. Keep, keep your teaching to yourself. If you want to help out, that's fine, but don't tell us the truth. And so these guys, unfortunately, asked Jesus, would you please leave? Now, this is where we ended last week. And he departed. It says, now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. And Jesus sent them away, him away, saying, no, 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 no. You got a testimony, bro. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Then Jesus gets in the boat. And here we pick up our story. What happens next? So it was when Jesus returned that the multitudes welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. What a contrast. One group of multitudes asked him to leave. One group of multitudes asked him to come. One group of multitudes wanted nothing to do with him. The other group of multitudes were waiting for him ah, with bated breath. And Jesus is going to perform two mighty miracles amongst the multitudes next. Look at verse 41. And behold... There came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter of about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as Jesus went, the multitudes thronged him. That means to press on all sides. Verse 43, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. Well, she came from behind, and she touched the border of his garment. Now imagine, from behind, border of the garment. That's like on the ground. Jairus fell down begging publicly. This girl is on the ground, crawling underneath the crowd, looking for Jesus' robe. It's this, no, it's not that one. It's, oh, this is, and there's people everywhere. And she just reaches out and grabs the hem of his garment. For many reasons, she was on the ground, the crowd, she and her state, her physical state, had been rejected by the populace. 
because of her issue that she had, she was not actually allowed to be in public. She might have even had her face masked and covered, hidden because of what she had been going through for 12 years had ostracized her. And now she heard about the Savior, though. And she was not going to miss this opportunity. She, like J. Iris, both needed their issues ministered to. They both made great attempts at seeking him. Two contrastingly different individuals, a man, a woman. One's named, one is unnamed even to this day. One is esteemed, one is rejected. One is well-to-do, one is impoverished. And yet both of them come to Jesus. And I just set the scene for you because Jesus is thronged. I, I dare you this week to use that word in a sentence, you know. <laughs> I was at Starbucks and I felt like I was getting thronged, you know. <laughs> wow, you know. Jesus used that same word at the beginning of Luke chapter 8 when he said that the sower sows the seed onto some soils with thorns, and those thorns, same Greek word, throng the seed. And it doesn't allow, it, choked was the definition, the uh, English definition in that particular verse. Choked is getting pressed. Jesus said there would be seeds that can't grow because there's too much going on around them. Luke uses that same exact Greek word to describe Jesus getting out of his boat, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everyone's got their selfie sticks, you know, and photobombing Jesus and looking for autographs on the book of John or something, you know, sign my book. And, and yet these two, guess what? These two. Jairus and, and the, this woman, I just, it's so precious to me because I like crowds. I like people. I, like, I love all you guys. <laughs> but this crowd and every crowd, big or small, is made up of Jairuses and this gal and people in need. Don't ever forget that. You, you can get lost in a crowd or you can think churches about big churches or little churches or which one's better. You can have preference. That's okay. Okay, try not to have prejudice against other churches, big or small. You can have a preference. That's, I like a big church. I like a small church. Whatever. Churches are made up of people, individuals. Jesus gets off the boat, and we meet this man. We, we don't know this woman. We don't know her name. Earlier today, I was praying in my office, and I asked the Lord for help in preaching her story well. I said, Lord, this woman, I don't know her name, but, but I want to pre preach her story well. This actually happened. This isn't just some fairy tale or some, you know, abnormality. This was a real per We're going to meet her. Oh, this, you're so intense. You're so crazy. You were like a commando for, for healing, and you just went after Jesus, clawing, looking, grabbing hands. Nope, that's not the one. Nope, that, oh, this is the one, and she got healed. And I'm just so thankful. And Jay Iris, man, so many of us can relate to this guy. He had a, he had a child, a daughter. An only daughter, she was 12, and she was at home dying. And for anybody who has kids at all, this, this, is, this hits right there in your heart. You, you know your kids, you love your kids, you sense your kids, you, you watch your kids, you study your kids, you, you know when they have a temperature, a fever, something's wrong. You, you, uh, and this hits even closer to some who've lost their kids. This is... This pain, this man, this esteemed man, who, by the way, we don't know what his status was before Jesus arrived to the shore. Ruler of the synagogue. By and large, the Jews at this time had all collectively rejected the Messiah. This guy's crazy. This guy's called, he calls himself God. We can't, we can't be having that. Collectively, all the synagogue rulers and rabbis had pushed Jesus out. Check this out. But now, all of a sudden, this guy's life is flipped upside down. And it's almost as if he says, I'm going to try this Jesus guy out. Don't raise your hand, but you ever done that before? Yeah, you, ever, you know what I'm saying? Like, or you ever known somebody like that before? As soon as your life gets flipped upside down, you have nowhere else to go, you're like, you know, come to think of it. I, think, I wonder how that prayer thing works. I'm going to try that prayer thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I mocked Tim Tebow at one point, but I'm going to take the Tim Tebow pose, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. These, these two. Well, look at what happens in verse 44 again, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to preach all this again. I'm just giving you guys the primer. This is the primer message. She came from behind. She touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? Now stop right there. Is this because Jesus doesn't know or because Jesus is going to make a teaching moment out of this? Is Jesus really confused? What do you, I mean, it doesn't say. We would imagine God being omniscient and all-knowing and tapped into the Holy Spirit. We, we, was Jesus, oh, who 
touched me. Was he, you know? Remember when God asked Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam, where are you? <laughs> now, it's either that he knew exactly where Adam was and was trying to teach him something, or that God lost his kids, you know? <laughs> like, where you at, Adam? You know, you lose your kids at the mall, it's horrible. I think God knew who touched him. It's funny because Peter freaks out a little bit here. I love Peter. Verse 45, when all denied it, who touched me? Everyone denied it. I didn't touch you. I didn't touch you. Well, I touched you, but I didn't really touch you. I didn't mean to touch you. I said, all right, I won't touch you ever again, you know. People are freaking out, signing waivers. <laughs> Peter and those with him, master, the multitudes throng and press you. They're choking you out, bro. And, you, and, and you're asking, who touched me? <laughs> he might have chuckled. Peter. God would anoint that tongue eventually. You guys know that, right? Okay. He had foot and mouth disease before the Holy Spirit filled him. He'd always put his foot, you know, saying the stupidest stuff. Peter. But God would anoint him and redeem him. His, his natural attributes of just talking when he felt like he should talk. And the Holy Spirit would finally say, I can use that guy. Well, here, though, Jesus makes a very interesting statement. But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out of me. That word perceived in the Greek is the word gnosko, where he, it, it's the word we get for felt knowledge, a, a, a true understanding of what's happening. Not just a mental, but a, it's an, I get, I know what's happening, gnosko, to know the things that we have known, John would say in his epistle. Jesus said, I know somebody just touched me. There's, everyone's touching me, but somebody really touched me. Everyone's got a hand on me and touching me and selfie sticks, and there's a big crowd. I'm going to say this in my own language, not Jesus. Somebody touched me right, though. Somebody actually, somebody actually got through. Uh, so, somebody actually got something from me. Everyone else is just here, pushing and shoving, you know, smiling. We were watching the World Series a couple nights ago. Go Dodgers. Anyways. Amen, amen. <laughs> and, and, and one of those guys ran for a foul ball, and my, my kids are watching. I got a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a six-year-old. And they don't really watch a lot of baseball because the World Series is on only once per year, and that's the only time I watch it. But somebody jumped into the grandstand to catch a foul ball and, you know, went over, you know, and was there. And all the people just reached over and started grabbing the guy and touching him, you know, and touching these little kids, touching their back. You know, my, my kid's like, what are they doing? You know, why, why are they touching him? I just, it just is, it's, they just want to touch him. Doesn't mean they just want, I touched him. Okay, you should probably, you know, file a report. You know, stop that. Jesus, though, says, no, no, that was real. And I'm going to get there when we get there. But if you've ever been to church and gone through the motions and left without really touching Jesus, you know. You know what that's like. All you can think about is where you're going to eat later, the bills that are due tomorrow, the to-dos that you have, the to-don'ts you have. And I would just encourage you, don't ever be the person who gets a selfie with Jesus, who gets close to him, who, who maybe even touches him but doesn't touch him right. Okay, in your morning devotionals, in your scripture memorization, in your service at the soup kitchen, when you go get a jacket and bring it, when you do anything for Jesus, don't accidentally just get near him, maybe even touch him, but do it wrong. This girl received what she needed at that very moment from him. And so too, I, I don't want to waste my time doing it wrong. I wouldn't, if you're a reader of the scriptures and you should be in the mornings or whenever you have the time, mornings work best for me because all of my kids are still asleep at 3 a.m. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Or whenever. I, I just pray before you read. Say, Lord, would you, would, you, would you let me touch you? Would you let me, would you give me something today? Don't, don't, I just want, I don't want a formality. I just take a selfie with my Bible. Did it, you know? She, she did it right. Jesus knew that. He perceived power. Check this woman out. She's so legit. And now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, busted, she came trembling. God, she's so fired up. And falling down before him. She declared, got it circled, her testimony, to him in the presence of all the people, the reason that she had touched him. What that means is that she went into her physical condition and her medical issue. For 12 years I've been trying to find healing. For 12 years, I've been not allowed in the synagogue. For 12 years, I've not been allowed to touch anyone. They would be rendered unclean. And today was the day I said, I gotta get clean. I need to be delivered, whatever it takes. And I risked it all. 
And she went on to tell her story in the presence of everyone. And she was healed immediately. Verse 48. And he said to her, <laughs> that'll be 99.99. No, no, that's not what he said. Sign up to my newsletter here so we can, no, 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 no. Make sure, no, 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 no. Here's what he said to her. On all the multitudes, he gave her the most sweetest words she had ever heard in the last 12 years. Daughter, a term of family, of love, of acceptance. I'll tell you what, God's word spoken to you in your time of need, especially if you're an emotional or physical or sinful state, you just, you're all jacked up, and the Lord looks at you and says, you're my kid, I love you. And those words begin, she had been physically healed. Woo, that's a big day. This word, though, to her, I imagine, was equally, if not even more, healing. And I would just say this, you who need healing today, physically or emotionally, God's word to you, okay, is enough. It's the beginning point, but it is enough. He loves you. You are his child. While you may be pushed out and distanced by some, he will not do that to you. Psalm 27 says, even when my mother and my father forsake me, he will not. Daughter. I'm so glad she was healed physically. I'm just so glad. I'm so glad when I pray for somebody and they get healed physically. It is like a legit day, like red letter day in the, in the pastor's life when somebody gets healed physically. But there are those days where the Lord just gives you his word. He says, this is enough for you. Let me heal you. You're my son. I'm proud of you daughter he says to her be of good cheer your faith has made you well go in peace oh man talk about a debbie downer verse 49 while he was still speaking i do not want to be this guy this is the last speaking line this guy ever got okay ready for this this guy is man while he was still speaking someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him your daughter's dead don't trouble the teacher. <laughs> Talk about lack of tact. Jesus is healing somebody. Jairus is waiting for his turn. Guy calls out, it's too late. Leave the guy alone. We're going to go barbecue. Now, what are you doing? This guy's horrible. And I wonder if the way he said this, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the guy. I wonder if Jesus, you know, kind of like them's fighting words. I, you know, I'm just reading into it. But I wonder if Jesus looked at this guy like, Really? Don't bother me? It's too late? Too, did you hear that, Jairus? He thinks it's too late. Take me to your house. Take me to your... It's too, this guy says it's too late. And Jesus is about to do one of the mightiest miracles, one of many dead, raised to life again miracles he would do. And Jesus goes right to Jairus' house. Matter of fact, he has some words first. But when Jesus heard it, he got his Liam Neeson voice. Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. By the way, that's another clear word from the Lord. Do you think Jairus was afraid at this point, parents? Shoot. My daughter came home from some outings yesterday with her mom. She's only six. She doesn't ride the bus yet, and none of that stuff. She curled up on the couch and was complaining of, you know, forehead hurt and eyes hurt and lights too bright and tummy pains and i'm just you know as her dad i'm studying going okay here we go here we go just concerned for her you know and checking the temperature no temperature and just watching you know and maybe she didn't eat right and so i gave her a few pickles her favorite snack you know and you know she perked up a little bit and you know and just kind of complaining and pretty soon it got to the root of the issue she wanted time on the ipad <laughs> so being the youngest in the house and the princess she got the ipad we just gave her the i'm not just kidding but we you know she's fine but that's a when you're scared and jesus gives this word hey don't be afraid don't be afraid only believe and she'll be made well this is against this clear report from the other dude clear report she's dead leave the guy alone it's a clear word i mean just okay bets are off sorry jesus for messing with you i gotta go to a memorial now. And yet Jesus' clear word 
over this doubt and these lies. And this morning at our prayer time at 8.30, we really prayed against all the lies and, and against all the darkness. And I got a couple texts from people that are friends of mine that are oppressed, especially during the season. And I just, we have so much more power over the lies. The lies are going to be shot at you all life long. You guys realize that? The accuser of the brethren, the darts. <laughs> All day long, you're going to hear, oh, man, I feel unloved. Really? What does the scripture say? That I'm loved? Okay, pick a path. Pick a path. I feel like I'm a condemned sinner. sinner. And I feel like I'm simmering, too. I feel like I'm a condemned sinner. What does the scripture say? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Well, pick a path, and the lies will come. I don't think I have enough strength to get through this. Well, what does the Lord say? He says, I, I have enough strength through Christ to get through anything. <laughs> the lies and the truth. And Jesus calls this truth out. Look at the, I'm just getting ahead of myself. And I didn't mean to read this much. This is just a fun story. Oh, man. It's just fun. This is good. And when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Uh-oh. Now all who wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She's not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. <laughs> Hopefully this camp got saved eventually and we can go talk to them in heaven. Like, you were the guys that mocked Jesus. No way. What was that like? You know, and just you rejoice in their salvation that they got after this miracle. When they were like, oh, my bad. But Jesus said, put those guys outside. That's, by the way, what happens to mockers. They, they don't get to participate in the miracles of God. I'm going to be honest with you. We live in a society that just appreciates sarcasm and mocking and and victimization in, in, in jest. We, we love to just, you know, we just make fun of people and, and, and careful, careful, just be careful. And I, tell, I tell, say that to myself, mockers, mocking the Lord. There's a story in the scriptures where David was worshiping God. You guys know the story and his wife at the time mocked him for his love for God. What are you, crazy? You look like a clown out there. And the Bible says that she was not able to have kids the rest of her life which is a spiritual illustration. She was barren in her spirit because she didn't, didn't like the way David loved God. Well, these people, they didn't believe. Believing is a sure way to walk in a faithless life, not believing. Verse 54, he put them all outside and took her by the hand and called saying, little girl, arise. And then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Let's pray and ask God to bless the remainder of our time together. Father, we've read your word. And I pray in Jesus' name right now, Lord, that we who have heard it, those watching online and those gathered here, those at the 11 and the 6 tonight, in Jesus' name, Lord, we find our faith growing. You said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. And Lord, let that faith in our lives not be passive, but let it be active for fruit, for purpose, for life. You call our faith, Lord, a shield that, that we hold up against all doubt, against all lies. And so we, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this story. And I pray, Lord, we would study it well. We would study Jairus' life and story well and this woman's life and story well. Help me, Lord Jesus, to preach it powerfully. And may we, Lord, all bear the fruit of the evidence of God in our lives more so now than ever before in these dark days, we pray in Jesus' name. And y'all said? Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, look at verse 40. It says, so when Jesus returned, that the multitude welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him. Let's contrast that with verse 37. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadareans asked him to depart from them. Stop right there, eyes up here. There are two opposing reactions to Jesus at any given time. Only two, not three. Okay, you are either for him or against him. You either receive him or you reject him. There is this middle camp that does not exist, that thinks, well, I'm not against God and crazy. I'm not against Jesus. I'm just not for him. I think that's good for you, but I've got my own kind of way of quasi, you know, spirituality, and I do some, you know, stretching, and I read a book one time, and I got a Rubik's Cube, and I'm, you know, I'm smart. And, and I got, you know, I'm not against your Jesus, though. No, no. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. You either push him away or pull him near. One of two options only, receive or reject. And for all the people, even those who are here today, and think, well, I'm not, I'm not all into everything, you're on the reject side. Well, I like some things. I like the whole Santa Claus thing. I like that thing about Jesus. And, you know, it's not even a thing about Jesus, you know. And there's people, and I just would say this. 
Pick a camp and stay there well, okay? Be there well. As a matter of fact, Jesus said himself in Revelation 3.16, one of those famous 3.16 verses. They're good to study, all the 3.16 verses. This one says, I'd really, I wish you weren't lukewarm. I wish you were hot or cold. I got, I just, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to vomit you out, the Lord. I want you in or out because I can deal with you in those camps. When you're in the middle, lukewarm, you're so deceived. You think you're all right because you're better than, you know, Saddam Hussein. Okay? But, but you're still out of the camp of God. You're right next to the border. You're not saved. And I would just say this. You can reject the, the camp of the Gadareans. Please leave. All right. The island there, or should I say the shore of Galilee on the other side? Oh, dude, we've been waiting for you. Isn't that cool? There's a multitude gathered. I think I see him. I think I see him. He's coming. You know, they're all fired up. He's coming. Man, he's rolling so slow. Hurry up. You know, there's, that's that camp. The other camp's like, get out of here, dude. Just get out of here, man. There's all these pigs floating around. Remember, you know, they couldn't handle it. By the way, I wonder if like the previous night, that the demoniac was having a conversation with the herdsmen about maybe Jesus. Maybe they'd heard about this guy. Do you believe in Jesus, demon guy? Pfft, when pigs fly. <laughs> next, next day, Jesus is like, I got you. I don't know if that happened. I don't know if that happened. It probably didn't happen. I mean, the pigs flew. Man. I, I, I really want you guys to get this, though, because having a sold-out heart for Jesus is very imperative. A, a sold-out heart for Jesus. And not just for Jesus as he is, like, you know, there. See, Jesus is the whole embodiment of the kingdom of God. He's the whole embodiment of the scriptures. He's not just an example. But a lot of people get this mistaken. He's an example of how we should live. Jesus is the prime example. Okay, true. But he's more than an example. He is your substitute. He actually took your place for when you don't do well as a, a follower of his example. And if you don't have him as your substitute, the one who went to the cross for you, your savior, your scapegoat, if you don't have him there, you don't have him. You can esteem him and respect him, but you got to take everything that Jesus is. It's really that important. And it'll change your life when you don't just become a closet Christian or, you know, a CEO, a Christmas and Easter only Christian, you know. And when, when you really say, is this Jesus guy legit? And by the way, dudes, his immaculate conception, okay, his perfect life, his power over death, his miracle that he walked in, everything about him, there is no logical reason why you shouldn't jump into the camp of reception. I'm going to receive this guy. There's no logical reason. When I ask people, why would you reject Jesus? They have no good reason, none at all. Sometimes they like to throw the church under the bus or the Bible or something. I'm not talking about the church or the Bible, Jesus. Why would you not accept him and all of his teachings? No good. And I've told you this a million times. Here's the reason. Pride and rebellion. I don't want Jesus to be my God. I kind of like being my own God. It's actually kind of legit. I got to make my own rules. I got to bail myself out. I forgive myself. I talked to this one lady one time. I forgave myself. And I was like, why do you forgive yourself? Tell that to the, I'm going to run somebody over. I just forgave myself. You cool? You know? No, no. No, no. It doesn't work that way. You don't have to, you don't, it's above your pay grade to forgive yourself. And people are, they're crazy. These guys in the island of the Gadareans. So let me give you some advice. Okay, Jesus deserves your total trust, your total reception, what he has done, what he teaches, what he's doing right now in your life. You need to just trust him fully. These guys on the beach, they were waiting for him. They'd spend a night without him. Where's Jesus at? Dude, he went to the other side. What's he doing over there? This place is cray-cray. These were the Jews on this side. Those were like the, you know, mixed crowds over there. So Jesus is coming back. And I don't know how many days you have to go in your life without Jesus to finally go to the shore and say, all right, enough's enough. Come on, I'm ready. Get into my life. These guys spent a, a, night, a night without Jesus. And, and, and they run to the shore to meet him. And again, I don't know how to make this any, any more clear than then I hope I'm making it now. But I would pray in Jesus' name that you make a decision today. All right. I need, I'm just going to, for the rest of my life, I'm going to accept him fully. His teachings, his sacrifice, his example, of course. His singleness, 
who he is. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, and all who call upon him shall be saved. I mean, it's him. And when you make that decision, your identity then will be established and your activity will flow from it. What you do the rest of your life, who you are, how you react, how you respond, how you process, how you get up when you fall down, who you call when you sin and blow it. You know, oh, I got a savior. I got a savior. Make that decision today, okay? And then have fun the rest of your life. It's going to be legit. Like everything moving forward is going to be so fun when you make that decision. And then Jesus now gets to the shore. Look at verse 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged Jesus to come to his house. Now, again, in this story, I've read the entirety to you. We see two individuals highlighted out of a huge crowd. And this is so encouraging to me. Because as many people as show up at our services on Sunday, it's all comprised of individuals, peoples, just men and women, made in the very image of God, created. And God wasn't necessarily bowled over and impressed by, look at these crowds, Peter, this thing's taking off. He didn't care. He cared about individuals. And crowds are made up of individuals. You ever see a big church? Rejoice. Okay? A lot of, a lot of people. You ever see a small church? Rejoice. Those are people. Even two or three gathered in his name. God is both the God of the cosmos, okay? Huge. Ever thought of how big the world is? 900 billion light years away is the edge of our universe. And by the way, you know what comes after that? I'm not a scientist, but I'll just tell you. More universe. Duh. These scientists out there, yeah, 900 billion, and then we just imagine it's more, but we can't see that far, you know? This is an edge, God. He's the God of the universe. Did you know at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, you can circumnavigate the earth in seven and a half, se- uh, seven and a half times in one second? Okay, one second, seven and a half times. And it'll take you four and a half years at that same speed. Okay, one second, seven and a half times. Four and a half years. <laughs> Need gas? No, we're good. <laughs> Potty break? Nope, next year. <laughs> four and a half years <laughs> at that same speed to get to the second nearest star to our globe. Okay, the first star is the sun. It takes you eight minutes to get to it. You know, put the sunscreen on. You're going to fly right by it. You're going to need that. And eight minutes to get to the sun. Tack on another four and a half years to get to the next star. And there are literally billions and billions and trillions of stars. God made all that. He's so big. You could imagine, man, God's so big. He has no time for me. But you know that God also made the cells, structures of your life, your body, that you were comprised of millions Billions, trillions of cells that are actually alive with DNA codes written right within them that do everything God predetermined them to do. Your cell structure, 32.7 trillion cells make up each individual person here. 32.7 trillion. Can I see how many numbers that is? The cal- you'll break your calculator. I, I just say this because you guys might think, well, God's so big. True. But don't ever underestimate that God is so small. The Bible says he collects your tears. Puts them in a jar. Some of you might just think, well, he can't really do that. Really? (laughs) Said he does. Well, that's a little superfluous and crazy. Well, that's his problem, not yours. (laughs) He knows the hairs on your head or the lack thereof, you know, for some of you guys out there. (laughs) (laughs) Counting them down. (laughs) I shouldn't make that joke. I'll probably, anyways, I repent. Well, Jairus, he's got a problem. Now, again, I, I, we don't know his, pre- his previous state towards Jesus. Was he indifferent? Was he one who was delighting? We, we know for sure now he's in duress. Let me just say this. I already told you there's two camps. Rece- receive or reject Jesus. And let, let me tell you another thing. There are three, two ways to come to Jesus. One, to not come to Jesus. It's a similar note. I'll just say it quickly. If you're a note taker, write it down. Jesus encourages us to come to him delighting, like the people on the beach. This is the best way to come to Jesus, delighting. Oh, man, I get to read the Bible this morning. My kids are still in a coma right now. This is great. You know, they're still sleeping. I can read my Bible. And to delight and to worship him. That's the best way to come to Jesus. You can also, though, like this guy, come to Jesus in your duress. This happens. You done this before? Don't re- you, done, you done this? We're, we're just, you, you make a mistake or life happens to you. And you are running full speed to Jesus, get out of my way. There's a throng of people here, whatever that means. There's a bunch of people here. 
And yet Jairus says, get out of the way. He's a prominent dude. Like the ruler said, oh, Jairus is here. Maybe he's got something to say. Maybe he's going to arrest Jesus. He gets in, falls in front of Jesus under duress. Please come to my house. <laughs> he's broken. Jesus begins to walk that way. You can come to him delighting. And here's the problem with our humanity, though. I've, I've experienced this. I've done this. I wish I weren't true. I have come to the Lord delighting. But there has been lapses in my coming to the Lord and my delighting. And, and so by life's natural events, I find myself under duress. And, and the Lord gets my full undivided attention. You done that before? Yeah. The Bible says in Psalm 119, I think it's verse 67. Before I was afflicted, woo, I went astray. But now I keep your precepts. The psalmist says, I have a, I have a proclivity to just wander, get distracted. But when life gets heavy and I get something, you get my attention. And that's okay. The Lord will get your attention under duress. Okay? And it's sweet. The Lord, Psalm 34, is near to the brokenhearted. He's near to those who have a crushed spirit. Verse of the day on Facebook today. Here's the one way you cannot come to the Lord, though. You can come delighting. You can come under duress. Do not come to him indifferent, though. Don't do that. Again, Revelation 3.16. You're, you're indifferent. You're just kind of lackluster. And so we have a bunch of mature people here today, a bunch of adults, some young people, maybe. Nope, all old people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just being, I'm not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> and so if you guys aren't under duress right now, man, thank God. And be, be crazy in his presence. Seek him, love him, journal, study. Because you don't know when your cards are going to be called. Jairus is a spiritual man. He's a leader of the synagogue. He, he ran the synagogue there. He set the calendar, you know, swept the floors, made sure they had all the elements and made sure the candles were turned off, you know, and the people left their lights on on the camel. He told them, you know, and he just helped, you know, help people out. And he, he, he was a, a spiritual dude. You, this guy was seeking the Lord, and all of a sudden his cards are called. So if you're here today and you're, you're doing great, you're a Christian, praise God, please hear me out. In your seasons of delight, Seek the Lord. Do it. You're, you're free to. It's, he's, he's attractive. He's beautiful. And if you're under duress, oh, the Lord, he's, he's right there. He's listening amongst the crowds. He's got your best intentions, your tears in a bottle. Don't fall into the camp, though, of being indifferent. It's not going to go well for you. This, this man, it says, fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. Verse 42 says, for he had an only daughter of about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. This guy, I, I like Jairus a lot. He's got an only daughter. I don't have a lot of time to develop kind of a parenting teaching here. But, but if you are a parent, you know, we believe in families here. We, we believe in adoption, foster parenting. Okay, we believe in aunts and uncles and grandparents and kids. We believe in our Sunday school. If you look at our budget on what we spend Okay, Sunday school gets a lot of money just to make sure they get the right curriculum and the right equipment. We just love to, we love the kids. And this guy loves his daughter. He loves, and for you dads out there who are raising your kids, thank you. Thank you. For you dads who didn't do a great job in raising your kids, ask the Lord for healing upon your relationships. Say, Lord, would you help me to be the dad you want me to be and would you give grace where I've blown it? This guy's daughter was about to die. Every parent can feel the weight of this. My, my pastor taught me a saying a while ago. It's just, it's so true. That you're only as well as your sickest kid. Your, your kid goes weird, kid gets, you know, funky. Could be anything. You're, 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 you're only as well as your sickest kid. And I love my pastor, Pastor Mark Anderson. Last Friday, about nine days ago, ten days ago, something, I was at Randall Children's Hospital praying for a little baby Keegan. You guys probably saw the Facebook post. Little eight-month-old little guy. I was under the perception that he was older, like a, a year or two. I walked in the hospital room, and there's this eight-month-old. Eight months is small. Like, you could put that kid back in the womb. No one would even know. You know, it's like this little guy. No? Anyways. 
and he he's a cutie man he was a cutie and this guy he's he's all you know plugged up and in a forced coma just so his heart could rest his heart needs healing he's doing better we prayed for him put some oil on his forehead laid hands on him prayed for the family but you just you know, give, give the family a bunch of bunch of your money that's what we do we give your money away it's fun it was, it was actually really cool. I don't have time to tell the whole story, so I won't. But anyways, um, <laughs> maybe, at the, maybe at the evening service. And, and then just this last Friday, I was at the Newport Hospital here praying for Rena, uh, Rena Brandt, and she could continue to use your prayers. And I was there with her mom, Celine. And just, just the, the parental love for a, a child who's also in a forced coma, fighting for the infection in her body, Rena. You could pray for Rena. She's been transported, I think, yesterday to a bigger hospital. I got a Facebook message from my messenger from Fiji two days ago, and another one this morning, for Lita. I met her uh, many years ago in Fiji, and we still communicate. And her eight-year-old nephew was out picking mangoes in, in Fiji under a cell phone tower, a Digicel cell phone tower, and one of the baskets fell off the tower and crushed his head, and he was fighting for his life. And she texted me two days ago, pray for, you know, he's like, what in the world, you know? This morning he's under watch and hoping that the surgery worked. And it's, it's, but when a kid, this duress, you guys know the, the father's heart. And I would, you're his kids, okay? I'm an adult, at least I think I am. I'm trying to become one, and you guys are too, you know. <laughs> but we're God's kids. And most of you, be honest, maybe I'm the only one, but you would, you still feel like a little kid. You raise your hand if you still feel like a little kid, okay? Okay, seven of you, the rest, okay, the rest is, I don't know what you're doing, but. And I just, uh, Lord, I'm, Lord, it's me again, you know, whoops, yay, sorry, you know. And then just, just the, the Lord loves us like this guy loved his daughter. Look at what happens, though, this, this twist to the story. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and, and could not be healed by any. By the way, if the Bible were uh, fabricated, fictional story, here it would have said that modern medicine healed her. It was just kind of, you know, big pharma, we took care of it, you know. And, and just, just so you know, this is, you can tell the Bible is true because no one could help her, and, and they're okay with that. Like, this is, we can help her. She spent everything she had to receive help, and, and she couldn't find it. This is so crazy, this contrast. And I've already kind of alluded to a little bit these two. Jairus is a man, okay? She, she's a woman. In this culture, two, two separate worlds, our culture, we have made strides, huge strides for equality, okay, Nor normalcy, not here. This man is named, we, we know his name, Jairus, his name means enlightened one, okay? This woman, she's unnamed, even to this day, we don't know what her name is. This woman was broke because she'd spent all of her money. This man, Jairus, had lots of money and power. And I would just say this, no matter, whatever camp you're in, Okay, trouble knows your address. This man had spent 12 years, at least we can es estimate, of joy. Having a little kid in his house, his daughter. You dads who have daughters, you know, oh, they're the best. I got two boys too, but whatever. <laughs> I kid, I kid, but for real, you know. The girl, the, and 12 years of just, oh, this is so good. This woman had spent 12 years of, are you kidding me? Are you she, she would be, if she were married previously, she would not be with her husband for 12 years, not even in the same room. Otherwise, he would be rendered unclean. If she had kids, if she had brothers, if she had parents, she would have been alone for 12 years. This man had been surrounded by laughter for 12 years. And now, all of a sudden, they're merging together at Jesus' feet. And if you, again, are in a day of great ecstasy and joy, store up that time with Jesus. Okay, celebrate. Go to him. Delight. Delight. Learn to be a delighter. Okay? Store up big dividends of faith because one day you're going to be tested. The Bible says that we live in a world full of tribulation. Okay? The Bible says don't be surprised at the trials. Okay? James says you're going to have trials. Peter says you're going to have trials. Jude says you're going to have to fight. John says we have enemies. I mean, it's just crazy. She, she by the way, has an issue, and I, I don't even have time to even preach this right. I'm just going to say it. She did two things. She, she took responsibility for herself, and she brought it to Jesus. And I'm just going to say this. Every one of us in here has an issue of some sort, okay? Maybe it's something that's been plaguing you for 12 years, something that's just been jacking you up, something, unforgiveness, bitterness, a pain, okay? 
some unemotional hemorrhaging like this woman, just, ah, just, I can't. And maybe your pain is so messed up and jacked up that it's also rendered you outside the camp. Maybe you don't have friends right now because people just can't handle your mess. And maybe you're just, are off-putting and maybe it's just too emotional. She took responsibility for herself and she went to Jesus and she received healing immediately. I'm just gonna say, this is legit. And if you've heard it said before, that the heart of every issue is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of your heart. What's going on right now? Well, I'm just, I, I, you know, I, and I do counseling with people. And I, talk, I hear people, you know, hey, well, there's your issue. Have you brought it to Jesus? Have you taken responsibility? Have you received healing immediately? Let's try that. Let's do that. Well, it's been 12 years, Pastor. Okay, sweet. Get ready to tell your story when you're healed. Do you have an issue today? I'm, I'm asking you, what is your issue? This woman had expended all of her monetary power found no help until she went to Jesus Christ. I implore you to go to Jesus Christ with your issue. And the excuses start to roll. Listen, you can't change your heart. God can. You can change your mind. God won't change your mind, but he will change your heart. If you change your mind, God can change your heart. And bring your issue to Jesus and let him heal you. Well, she came from behind, and she touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you're saying, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Somebody did it right. This is real. And again, Jesus is so great. He could have just kept walking. Oh, someone just got healed. That was legit. But instead, he says, no, this is important. And I want you to catch this because we're going to run out of time. I want you to see this. Jesus realizes that Jairus is about to get even worse news than he'd been dealing with that day. The bad news was is that his kid was sick. He's about to hear another word. She's dead. And he needs to see what God can do in this woman's life. He needs to see what Jesus just did for this woman. And so Jesus stops and says, who touched me? It's kind of like when parents go into the kitchen and they see the cookie jar has been busted into, okay? And then they see one of their kids with chocolate all over their face. Now, the parents know. They're, Who got in the cookie jar? You know, they're making an opportunity for, you know, something better to happen, you know? And, and the kids, oh, no, we have no idea. Probably the dog. It's for sure the dog, you know, and chocolate every, you know? And so Jesus, who touched me? Let's deal with this. Let's, let's give her an opportunity to testify because he needed her testimony. Verse 47, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people, the reason that she had touched him. Again, she goes into great depth and detail. I'm hemorrhaging. I'm unclean. I've not been in public. I've not been in the synagogue. I've not been around. I've, I'm, I'm, I heard about you though, and I risked it all. I have nothing. I've spent everything. And when I touched you, ah, I'm better. I'm healed. I've been anemic. I've been weak. And all of a sudden, I feel the flow of your blood in my veins, if you would. The restoration of reaching out in desperation. And Jesus is listening to her talk, just loving it. This is so good. This is so good. Say it louder because Jairus here is kind of getting antsy. We're trying to get to his house, and he's running out of faith. And now guess what? He's going to borrow a little bit of yours. Faith is a gift that God gives to us to invest, to fan, to flame, to share. Anybody ever shared their faith with you before? Like when you're just faithless, you're on the ropes, you just, you're just messed up, you feel like you're taking on water. Like, I don't know if I can go any further. And all of a sudden, someone just walks over to you and like, just shares, just gives a little bit of their faith. Here, you can have some of mine. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, what? Dude, I almost was done in. I almost went under. Now, all of a sudden, I feel encouraged and vibrant again. Iris needed this testimony. Look at what he says in verse 48. The healing continues. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The best day of her life. While he was still speaking, I just see the craziness here. Someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, hey, your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he goes all Rambo. He answers and says, don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. Now, again, Jairus was afraid, and I'll bet you he didn't believe. He's freaking out. 
I'll bet you the faith that he had was very small, maybe even as small as a mustard seed. Remember the guy that Jesus healed earlier, the centurion's servant? The centurion's servant came over, and he sent somebody. Hey, the centur- one of my servants is sick. And Jesus is like, all right, let's go. And he's like, well, you need to show up. Just make it happen. Just make it happen. You're, I'm under authority. You're under, you have authority. I know how it works. You just make it happen, dude. He's like, that's, that's some crazy faith right there. All right, I'll make it happen. And he made it happen. He didn't even, that guy had so much faith. That Jesus, he went to Jairus' house. I wonder because Jairus had littler faith. To me, that's encouraging, okay? Because on the occasion, I call it my life, I have a little bit of faith, okay? I, just, I don't have a lot, but I have a little. But I have a little bit. How much you got? Well, I got five loaves and two fish. Is that a good, good, good start? That's a great start. Perfect, son. You know, he grabs, and he is able to do miracles. And for you who have little faith, that's enough, okay? Lord, would you help my unbelief? Here's my, here's my belief. Would you just help me? And, and Jairus here needs to hear this because there's conflicting words a battle for truth. Jesus says, hey, I need you to believe, and she will be made well. Well, when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Pete, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. I like how he included the mom and dad, too, because you could just imagine that Jesus is very mechanical on accident, like he's, you know, God, and he's just, God has no, this is a mom and dad. And, and he could go in there with Peter, James, and John, say, all right, boys, let's get to work, you know, draw the blinds. He brings mom and dad in. Can you imagine how tender this moment was? I mean, I don't know how you guys look at God. Maybe you think of him, he's mad at you all the time, or he's distant, or he's busy, or he's, you know, uh, he, he loves you. He'll, he'll go right into your situation. He'll bring his buddies in. He'll be, you know, just hold your hand and say, all right, guys, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And he brings Peter, James, and John in on purpose. You know why? In, in the next chapter, he's going to send them out to share the gospel. In the next chapter, he's going to send them out two by two. And they needed to see events like this. And, and after Jesus dies and raises and goes into heaven, he's going to send them out to change the world. And he's like, all right, boys. I'm just going to show you a couple things about how we do it. And it's this amazing study, by the way. In Acts chapter 9, when Peter is in Joppa, and he's there healing a man. His name is, I forget. And he heals this guy. And, and then there's this girl, and she dies. I don't forget her name because her name is Dorcas, okay? It's kind of a hard name to forget. She's obviously kind of a dork. But anyways, it, it's in Acts chapter 9, she dies. And her name's translated Tabitha, Tabitha. And she dies. She's dead. And they sent Peter a message. Hey, Pete, we've got a, a dead person. Can you come? And he's got to travel. And that's a pastor. Someone calls me for a situation that's completely dead. I, I would ask a few questions. You mean like dead, dead? Like dead, dead, dead? Like memorial dead? No, we want you to pray for her dead. Pray for her dead. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, okay. Pray for her? Okay. And, and, uh, you know, uh, and Peter goes, man. And he gets there to Joppa. And he puts everyone outside. He's seen this happen before. He's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And he goes in. Her name's Tabitha. And he kneels down and he says, Tabitha, her name, Tabitha, Kumai, arise. In this scene, this little girl doesn't have a name. And so Jesus calls her that little girl, which in the Greek is Tabitha. No, no, Talitha. And so Jesus kneels and says, Talitha Kumai, and raises her up. And now when it's Peter's turn, 10 years later, he kneels and says, Tabitha Kumai. And she raises up and he does the same thing. And this is all a teachable moment. All of this has so much purpose in your life. And you might be asking yourself right now, why did I go through that divorce? Why did I have to bury my kid? Why did I go through a bankruptcy? Why am I feeling this pain inside of my heart? Why? And that's the whys, the whys. Why? And the Lord said, I'm going to glorify myself in you. And I'm going to teach others about me through you. Would you just call upon me? Would you let me in? Would you let me heal that? I don't have very much faith perfect. Give it to me. And I'll multiply it. By the way, every one of you in here has an issue, something wrong, whether it's an internal, something wrong. And you're probably an American, okay? And so you're mad about your issue. Yeah, if I could, you know what I'm saying? We're, you got an issue? Well, can you sue somebody? You got a lawyer? You know, you can make some money on this. What if God says, I gave you an issue, to get into your heart, to get nearer to you, and to make you valuable to somebody else. I'm not messing with you. Some of you have bigger issues than others, and you know it right now, and you're a little uncomfortable, or you're a little encouraged, or you know someone's talking, the Holy Spirit's talking to you. You've gone through some stuff, and you would maybe even wish nobody would go through your stuff. Man, I wish nobody ever lives like I did. Wish, and this woman would say, I wish, and this man would say, I wish nobody would ever have to go through this. But, but, but you went through it, didn't you? You're in it. You're in it right now. Why? So God can use your story 
to encourage others, to share your faith with them. So, so, so Peter could be a part of this and then later on walk in the same power that his Savior walked in. Verse 52, again, he deals with the mockers and the doubters. Verse 53, he kicks them out. Verse 54, he put them all outside and he took her by the hand and he called saying, little girl, arise, Talitha Kumai. The almost exact words Peter would use, Tabitha Kumai. Well, then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. I like Jesus, he's a smart guy. Give her some pickles, she's hungry. Their parents were astonished. He charged them to tell no one what had happened. This is what Jesus does. He heals people. He changes their lives. I like how he feeds her right away. When the Lord changes our lives and saves us, one of the things that will be noted in your life is an appetite for the things of God. If you've been healed, if you've been, if you've been dead, now you're alive. I'm telling you what, hopefully you have an appetite for God's word. You're here at 9 a.m., you did something right. When Jesus changes our lives, it's on purpose to display his handiwork to everyone. This, this girl was hungry. She ate. All, she's eating. And so too, you who have been changed, you now have an appetite. for Jesus healed two other people from the dead that we know of. I bet there were more. Remember the widow's son at Nain, the Gospel of Luke 2? And when he stood up or sat up on the casket there, what did he begin to do? Not eat. He began to talk. And you'll know somebody who's been dead and is now alive in Christ because they talk different too. You, you, you just, you talk different. You got something, you got something to share. I wonder what that guy was saying. Like, you know, starts talking. Jesus just walks off. The third guy that Jesus healed from the dead was his friend, Lazarus. And remember, he yelled at Lazarus, Lazarus, come on out, buddy. And Lazarus began to walk kind of differently, you know what I'm saying, because he was bound up. By the way, if you don't have your Halloween costume yet, Lazarus. No, just kidding. Maybe. And, and, and the, the earmarks of a Christian that has been changed by God is you'll have a different appetite. You'll have a different vocabulary. And you'll have a different strut. You'll, you'll walk differently. Jesus changes people's lives. I'm going to have the worship team come up because I've gone into late innings here. And we are going to respond now by, by singing a song and worshiping the Lord at the communion table. And I'm going to, I've said a lot of stuff. It seemed like the 20 minutes went by real fast. Was it more than 20 minutes? I don't know about you guys, but I got a lot of thoughts. I almost had a lot of days. I assume I have a lot of days. Do you, do you, do you not? I have a lot of days ahead of me. So do you. I, that's, what, that's my assumption. Should be yours too. And I want my days to be filled with God and his glory and his purposes. And by the preaching and teaching of his word and studying the life of Jesus, you can make that decision today and say, I want my days to be noted in the way that I walk, in the way that I talk, in the way that my appetite has adjusted towards the things of God. I want to be seen as that. Lord, would you change me today? Would you take my issue? Lord, I want your word to be enough. The lies came flying in. She's dead. It's too late. Don't bother God. And God shot right back. Hey, enough. All you got to do is believe. She'll be made well. If you're here today and you would like to I'm telling you the truth. You want to just go on. You want to say, Lord, I want to receive everything you have. I don't want to reject anything. I don't want to be indifferent. I don't want to make that mistake. Lord, whether it's in duress like J. Iris, or whether it's going to be in delight like the people on the seashore. They're just, oh, they're so stoked. Whatever it is, I just want to accept you. Would you raise your hand right now? Just get it over with. Just go all in right now. Raise your hand, man. Raise your hand, woman. Raise it to the Lord. Go all in to Jesus. You will not regret it. You will not get to heaven. On Judgment Day, say, man, I wish I wouldn't have gone all, all in. You're not going to say that. You're going to say, I wish I would have gone all in. Raise your hand right now. And what you're saying is you're saying, Lord, I just want to walk the walk. I want to talk the talk. I want to feed my soul. I'm not perfect. I'm, 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 a, I'm a mess. But I want in. I want in. I want in. And I want to worship you. You can put your hands down. Lord, as we come to the table, I pray in Jesus' name, a, a mercy to be ours, a forgiveness to be ours, a joy to be ours. A blessing to be ours, Lord. A strength to be ours. And a faith to be ours to share with others, Lord. Forgive us of our sins as we come to the table. 
reminding ourselves of your death, burial, and resurrection. As we do this, we do it in memory of you, Lord, proclaiming your death until you return. Your goodness toward us, Lord, is from everlasting. We thank you, Lord. Bless those who come up for prayer right now, who maybe have an issue. They want to bring to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment. If you have an issue, just get it over with. Bring it to Jesus right now. Come kneel at the altar. Kneel under the screens. And turn around and kneel at your chair. Just give it to the Lord. Let him minister to you. Father, we thank you. We just need you. We thank you. We trust you. It's all, it's all above our pay grade. It's all too big for us. So we just put it, put it in your hands. And we say, take over, Dad. Take over, Father. Like any good kids would do. They just, I want my dad. My dad will handle it. My dad's good. So too, our Father is good. And he can handle it. We do what we do now in remembrance of Jesus. And everyone said...